Welcome to Highway Diary. I'm your host, Eric Hollerbach. This is episode 325 with Rogelino Dos Santos from Brazil. Brazil. What, a, what a great guy. Thank you so much for picking me up and bringing me here. Uh, I went to New Orleans at the end of October, and while I was driving into New Orleans to do some comedy shows, um, a fucking truck tire exploded, and it shot a tire, and it <laughs> busted my front of my car, so it's being repaired right now, so whatever. Um, but uh, I, uh, it's easy to book you because, like, you know, we, we were originally supposed to do this, uh, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, and then uh, it got moved, but you were, like, very communicative and very professional, so um, I just appreciate that, that you emailed to ke- uh, check up. Like, you were in Las Vegas, and so it got moved. So what, what were you doing in Vegas? Were you having fun there, or were you... Yeah, what happened? My wife, she she she's a writer, writer right? Mm-hmm. And she had a conference, and I promised her I would go to to the conference, and I forgot about that <laughs> the <laughs> right, day. Right. And the day would come back, would be the same day, like it would be like eight o'clock, and I say, no, this is not gonna work. Like yeah, this yeah, schedule. cool. Um, did you have fun there? You doing oh, yeah. gambling? Yeah, that was fun. I mean, Las Vegas, it's like it's good for three days. I stay for eight days. Yeah. So I was able to to do a couple shows in Las Vegas, and I lost some money. I lost some money also. <laughs> <laughs> I went there. Um, I performed with uh, Sam Tripley October sixteenth in Las Vegas, and as we were walking by, back to our hotel room, people were throwing up in garbage cans. Like we got out of the show at like one in the morning or something like that. And the hotel, it's like people are throwing up over here. Someone's crying over here because they lost all their money. So it was like a war scene. Yeah, it's crazy. Las Vegas is crazy. I stayed in the hotel at Bali's Hotel. Uh huh. It's like, it's so loud. There's yeah. a, a guy, I think it's teenagers in like, like 20s. Every every night about two in the morning, he he was calling like Miriam, come here, suck my dick <laughs> on the phone. Miriam, no, no, hallway. In the hallway. <laughs> In the hallway. Oh yeah. And I was like, man, I need to find this Miriam. <laughs> <laughs> she sounds like a good yeah for time. three days. Like, who is this Miriam? He's <laughs> <laughs> just chasing her around the hallway. Yeah, that's oh crazy. This Vegas, man, Vegas is crazy. I've been that thirsty before. The the quarantine will get you. You, you know, if if it's if it's hard to date, you might just be chasing Miriam around. Uh, <laughs> um, we were talking in the car, um, like it's so uh, refreshing to uh, book someone for this podcast who's normal. Like I tried to book this podcast, and then like twice with another guest, and they like the day of no call, no show. I'm calling their phone, going right to voicemail. Then they say, "Oh, sorry. Oh, let's reschedule." I so I reschedule. They they said how about this day i said sure this time they didn't text back but i felt well they they offered the day off at the time it's all there no call no show again and it's like you know you get different things i could have been doing something else but i was preparing for this so it's just a pleasure but uh to deal with you because you're like very easy to deal with because you're not on drugs all the time we were talking in the car uh, on the way here that like drugs have is kind of a secret pro- problem in the austin comedy scene uh, yes, I think it is. It's a people become unreliable, right? When they do so much drugs and stuff. And, and I like because I started in comedy like for a little more than one year, mm-hmm. and I never really encountered like so many people using drugs and like drugs is the thing, you know? Like oh, let's smoke, let's do any kind of drugs because it's fun for me. 
people who used to do drugs, they used to do like hiding and stuff. So you see, you see, you see people doing whatever, you know, and you see the results, right? So the recreation, it's it's going too crazy, I think. Yeah. Um, so without saying names, because I got in trouble before when I say names, sometimes I get all these Facebook messages later from the people, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm I'm trying to say it how I see it. But without saying names, just like scenarios, like some people could get booked on like big shows and not show up, you know, and like how many times are you going to do that and stay relevant, you know? Yeah, I think like as a business, you know, when someone book you and you don't show up, you are, you are kind of like you, you, you lose a little respect also because you are costing somebody else money. Yeah. Right. And I see so many like funny people, and you see they have some talent, but when you start interact with them, it's just like, man, this guy is a mess, you know. <laughs> yeah, or you get in someone's car and it's just, like filled with like <laughs> cat food and yeah. like cans of bullshit, and you're we're just, trying like, to figure out like, do you live here? Do you work here? That's, yeah. It's a little crazy. Um, so I want to go back in your past because I was looking. You've you've lived several lives. Several lives, um, uh, it, from 1988 to 1998, it, for 10 years, you were working for uh, Brinks in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Are, are you talking, like the Brinks trucks, like the armored that, that's trucks? That's crazy. Look like, this guy looks like he, he did a background check on I did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I work, Brinks, it's a, the, the same company they have yeah. in Brazil. Yeah. It's funny because I worked for this company for like 10 years, 10, almost 11 years, I guess. And I started to work for them like I was like uh, 15. Oh, wow. And that, that was a fun job. And my job when I started to work for them, in like so 1988, this can tell how old I am, right? <laughs> <laughs> and my job was to deliver an invoice to the, to the bank so they can pay us. And I was to, to go like every day, grab a little, a little, um, like a bag and like 13 invoices go to 13 places and deliver to the banks and I come back come back to the office and grab more and that, that was my job for like two years and after I got promoted and start when I left or I stayed 10 years I was I was managing over the branch in Brazil so San Paulo Brazil right yeah Brinks trucks they're filled with you know a million dollars of cash you know gold whatever moving around did you ever deal with like these, like, your your Brinks trucks got robbed on their way to a uh, bank? Oh, uh, no, they, like, a uh, bank, uh, no, bank robbed, like, truck uh, yeah, yeah. assault happens a lot, right? But I didn't work on that part. My uh, my job was in the office. And I, I worked, like, delivering uh, invoices for, like, maybe two or three years, and I got promoted, staying in the office. And I worked in the office for like a clerk for two or three years and I, I got promoted. I became like a financial analyst at the time and I was responsible for, I think, for uh, Rio and Fortaleza, like the north of the country, mm -hmm. for the branch in the north. And I stayed like for seven years doing that, seven, eight years doing that part. But there's, it's funny because I went to, to you know, where they, they put the money, like the big vouchers and stuff. Yeah. In, in Rio de Janeiro, and I was able to go to the to the vault, and I see like those so much money and so much like bars of gold. Hold, I hold like one bar of the gold, like 32, 32 kilos. That was a 
we can take we could take a picture, but that was fun. That's an experience. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so did you hear stories in the office about this truck was robbed, that truck was robbed, or? Oh yeah, yeah. We have a like a like a regular report. Like when I work in the in the office, because we always because I work in the financial part. When some we call like uh, sinister or something like some Portuguese, uh, a Portuguese word, I don't remember in English how they call, like it, like some type of incident, mm-hmm. right? When like the truck, they, they try to ho- rob the truck, when will it happens, we need to report to insurance. Right. So I was in charge in doing that, like, okay, in this time, like 3 p.m., that happens, and we need to send like how much they took and stuff, mm-hmm. and send to insurance. And but that happens a lot. Like now, I, I don't think it happens right now. But between like 88 and 95, man, people they are they are making living stealing trucks. That was the thing in Brazil. Oh my god! And you're like, you, you know, this big honey pot just going around, just filled with like, you know, through poor neighborhoods. It's like it yeah, they have they have like the like the limit of cash they need to have in the, in the truck mm-hmm. at the time about like five hundred thousand dollars something. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the most. Yeah, I, I had some pictures that I could, I, if I knew, would ask this kind of question, like back in 1998, <laughs> like when the trucks, they tried to steal the truck and the truck just, you know, flip and stuff. I was yeah. to go to the place taking pictures and show, and I have some pictures in the house. Oh my God. Did they like shoot the tires out so that the thing would go off a cliff and then go and... Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't remember like the operation very well, but normally they shoot the grass, the, uh, the, the glass, yeah, because the the driver can't see, so uh, and they they stop or hit something. But yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, that that was a serious business. I mean, it was very <laughs> dangerous. So then I see, in 2005 you joined the U.S. Army. So in 1998 you leave Brinks. In 1990, uh, 2005 you joined the U.S. Army. What happened in those mm-hmm. seven years there? Yeah, there's a gap, right? Uh, so. I, I, I was I was living in Brazil until 2003. 2003, I moved to United, to, to United States. I came to stay like six months only, and I decided to stay longer, and I got a visa, and I was working for a friend in, in California, and I got the visa, and was time to, because I was going through like personal stuff, right? Kids, wife, and stuff. And I said, like, should I go back? And I was so... I was a little frustrated, and the, the recruiter came to me and starts, like, you know, not harassing, but like every day he was to go to my store. I mean, when are you gonna join the army? Like, why join the army? You know, I was little. I was thirty. I was thirty years old already, and I was a little fat. No, they take care of you. Don't worry about it. You know, and he starts showing like, you know, those recruiters. They lie to you a lot. Ah. And, you know, was the, the war was going on, right? Yeah, the Iraq yeah. war. And I said, dude, I don't even speak English. If you, like, if you think my English is bad now, imagine 2003. Right. 2003, 2005. And that guy, he con- convinced me to, to join the army, to go start the process and everything. He, all the benefits. All right, should, should be a good deal. And I joined. I remember that part because I joined like October 2005. Was in... Uh, April 2006, I was in Iraq. 
Six oh, wow. Months. So you just went to a short boot camp right out there. Yeah, that was straight up, man. That was. Is it because you had, like, truck experience, like, logistical truck experience with Brinks? Is that the experience no, that they no, wanted? No, nothing. Nothing to do. It's just a body, right? <laughs> First of all, they... they I don't know if you're familiar with the army, like the test. I've had a friend in the Navy, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, they have the like, kind of ASVAB, you take the test. I need to take the test like three or four times to get the minimal, mm-hmm. uh, the minimal requirement, like the score. And one day, my last test, I guess, was like really close. And at the same time, because wasn't a lot of people joining the army, and they 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 lowered the, the score so you can join. That's when I I joined actually. <laughs> oh, so they yeah. lowered the bar because they yeah. needed more people. Uh-huh. When they joined, and they, when I gained, okay, what kind of job? Because I was because I, I do IT stuff, right? right. right. Maybe IT because I didn't know better how the process, you know, the security clearance and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I said like, what kind of job? And they give the options to be a cook, to be an uh, engineer. Uh, and a tanker, mm-hmm. you know, the Abraham tank and stuff. Right. And I took the options because the engineer, you know, you play for bombs and stuff, like you blow up bridges and stuff. Right. And I just don't want to be a cook, so. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I, I hate paprika, I don't yeah, know. I guess I mean, I'll drive the tanks would, around. Yeah, I would feel like, I mean, what do you do in the army? I was a cook, you know, you don't. Don't sound good for me. I, right, think it's, right. I mean, but it's a very important job, though. That's how they feed us. You know, yeah, you yeah. Know. But that was fun. <laughs> so what happened from two, 1998 to 2005? You, you uh, after Brinks, were you kind of, you were still in Brazil, mm-hmm. but then you were having, you got kind of distracted. Oh, with no, no. Mar- you got married, you had no, kids. No, I had a kids. Uh, I, like, I, I stayed together with my, my ex-wife about, I was like 21 until until like 30s, near 30s, and I had three kids already. So I was just working, probably different jobs and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But it's the. And then you got your friend was running a store in California. Yeah. And he's, he he said, "Hey, come work for me." Yeah, I start uh, when I arrive over there. They, you know, in San Diego, there's so many Brazilians over there, and they need they because. The, the area they serve over there, they don't have a lot of like Brazilian, and uh, they, they, they have a lot of Brazilian living, but they don't have a lot of Brazilian working in stores. And the, I would say like 6% at the, t- the time was like illegal. You uh-huh. know, they don't speak in English very well, right. and they need someone to just run go the store, to the store and, and stuff. It's a familiar face who mm-hmm. speaks your language, yeah. so you walk right in. Feel more comfortable. Uh-huh. And that's how it is. That, that's what happened, man. So then the recruiter started coming through your store? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, hey, army. Yeah, because the area, you know, they have those recruiter uh, stations. Like, yeah. probably is a lot more like poor, in the poor areas. Yeah. It, they don't have, like, in the, you know, the richest part of the town, right? And next to the store, there was a, there was a, like, a, it's a mall in the, where they have, like, an army, they have uh, Marines. And this guy from the army started, you know, going to the store and started yeah, talking yeah. to me. He, he was cool, but he lied to me, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, anything to get, get bodies on the ground to go fight those people. And uh, um, so you kind of, you answered this question. So you landed in San Diego, and it was a lot of Brazilians. So it kind of transitioned your way into America because just like people would come in your store and speak Portuguese you had other people mm-hmm. so was that uh, that was a good way to like buffer your 
uh, way into by being in a Portuguese community in San Diego was a yeah. good transition. Yeah, that was that was important living in the, like in the the community because when you like as an immigrant, right? You come into the place, you don't speak the language, we rely on somebody else to to help you to to understand the, the system. And when I live there then I stay I stay about six months living for Brazilians and stuff. And but I wasn't I wasn't able to speak English because we speak Portuguese all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I start working also like I had different jobs and you know, I need to pay child support so I need to to get like a you know, dishwasher job, delivery yeah. pizza and stuff. And I had like Portuguese friends or Mexican friends. And I wasn't able to speak English, like to be able to communicate well, the way I can go to the job interview and get a job, right? And after like one year, I say, no, I need to stop that. And I start like making new friends and more Americans and stuff mm -hmm. to be able to to learn and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you uh you were in the army from 2005 2008 were you like really fighting over there in iraq yeah. were you doing combat yeah yeah this is a part like i don't like to talk very much but we we are like my like called the mos right like my my job is uh they have like the infantry like the scouts in the abrams thing they they call the abram crew crew members this is like the basically the front of the the army so that's how the so you were driving a tank yeah i drove a tank uh -huh. mm -hmm. yeah and it's it's crazy um, <laughs> so is that where you learn english uh you know yeah you yeah a, yes oh, that was like during the process like when i was in basic training it's a lot of struggle to be able to to learn and learn the language itself and learn the task right to learn the tr the 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 tank for example there, there is more than three hundred parts inside the tank that <laughs> right. you need to learn. You know, need to to learn the parts number, to order parts, and everything. That was for me. Was me. I was a nightmare. Mm -hmm. That's that's how I learned English. Mm -hmm. um, so it, I just think of this this term called culture shock. Right, you go from Brazil to America, then you go fight for America in Iraq. So that must have been culture shock. Then when you come back, now you have to transition into normal society in 2008 when you're done doing combat in America. Was, uh, did you have any benefits that helped you from the army, like some money from the army to, that kept coming in to like help you transition or? Uh, yeah, no, this is the part like, like for example, when I joined the army, that was a very weird experience because like, man, I mean, doing that until I join the army, you are in basic training, you say, yeah. like, oh, this is just a game. But when you you deploy, you're in combat, you see people dying, everything like, man, this is not a joke. <laughs> yeah. Why am I doing this, right? Yeah. So when you, after a while, you start getting, you make a lot of friends, though. like people, you know, like they're, they're, they're immigrants also. And we, we kind of start bounding because we, we kind of have the same background. And I said like, shit, man, we may die here. So we, we lost like four, four friends like from our company. That was like, man, could be me, yeah, right? That was something like really hit me really hard because one of those guys I remember, he was like, I was 30 years old and the guy, he was a kid, man. He was like 18 or 19. And we used to go to missions together. Sometimes we, we used the tank and sometimes we use the the Humvees, like the 
you know, the Hamvita. Mm -hmm. And we, one mission, like it was like, like 10 o'clock p.m. in one of those, those commanders said, we need to go to the other base to clean some rooms and stuff, right? And and uh, that was a stupid mission. Like we shouldn't should like we don't need to go like during nighttime yeah. where people die, right? Yeah. And this kid, we took a picture together. And like he took, I I always, I, I, I like taking pictures. You yeah, know, I always yeah. taking pictures stuff. And I took a picture of him, and I say, and he took a picture of me, and he said like, and I said, man, if I if I die, I hope they find this camera, right? And they like, ah, we're not gonna die, he said. Oh no. And I mean, we didn't die in that in that mission, right? But like two months later, I learned like he, he died. Yeah. That was sad, that was sad. Yeah. That's a young kid, man, like yeah. 19 years old. He hasn't even started. He has all this time left and it's gone. Yeah. I didn't want to go to that route, like how <laughs> <laughs> depressing shit, but that, but was, no, that was life. Yeah, it was life. So um, then you come back uh, from 2009 to 2014 after combat. Um, like what were you up to in America? Now you were a citizen too, from the yeah, yeah. There's some benefits like you fought, like I fought the the war and stuff. There's some benefits like you become U.S. citizen. They have some VA benefits and stuff. But yeah. the process is so, it's so like tiring that some people they give up. I was one of those kids. I, I can't. I was getting worse like going after all the benefits. Yeah. You know? Then, then like. That, that was that was bad like I was getting like psychologically like I left the military when you left the military like first of all they train you to kill that's your yeah, job yeah, like, yeah. they train oh no you're not you're not tanker you're not cook no you are a killer machine basically yeah, yeah, right yeah. and after you leave like no we don't do this anymore you can't even carry a gun anymore you know kind of yeah, like yeah yeah so there, there's a, a part to to adjust that was like took him about a couple of years mm adjust and everything else. Did you go back to San Diego? No, I was living in, in, here in Texas, in Killeen, actually. Killeen? Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. um, so then in 2014, you started becoming a tech guy. You kind of land on your feet with that job that you have now or a similar field, right? Yeah, what happened, like, I always been doing, like, some tech stuff on the side, but um, after I left the military, uh, I work overseas also. Like I went back overseas as a contractor okay. because they pay more money, yeah, and I spent yeah. like forty years working uh -huh. overseas, like between Kuwait and Iraq. Mm -hmm. And that's when I said, like, you know what? I was I was making good money, I was decent pay, pay no tax, right? Ah. And I said, like, I mean, when I go back to state, I'm not sure if I want to keep doing this job or yeah. And I decided to to go back to IT, IT and got certification stuff and yeah. doing doing uh, IT 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 jobs. But before I went, it's like before I went to to Iraq to work as a contractor, I had some other jobs also. And I was um, I got my CDL license and I, I did truck drive for for almost a year year two months mm -hmm. something like that. I hate it, man. <laughs> Damn, truck driver, man, that was bad. That was yeah. Bad. Well, a freaking tire exploded on the road, so I'm, I'm annoyed yeah. at truck drivers. It, I mean, it was fun, like, the first, like, nine days. You know, like, oh, <laughs> Just man. Just seeing the country. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, in three states in one week, and yeah. after, when the winter comes, man, just like, oh, no, I don't want to do this yeah. shit anymore. Driving up to Maine when it's freezing cold. <laughs> yeah, Maine. Maine, I... I, I didn't see one black person in Maine. 
<laughs> I was like, man, that's crazy. <laughs> um, so you, you tell me in the car that only for a year you've been doing comedy. When did comedy come into your life? How did it come into your life? What happened? Yeah, man. So that's when I'm old already, so like, like to start a new career, right? So this is, I don't, I don't consider it a career yet because I've, I don't get paid, like I don't pay my bills doing that. Right. But uh, I always enjoy doing comedy. I, I mean, not doing comedy, but watching comedy, right? Since like, since I, I learned English, like George Carlin was one of the first ones I started. Man, this guy is so funny. And start to listen to him and learn more about it. That's when, like, when I learned about George Carlin, he, aware, he, was, that, he, he was dead already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I started looking at him. He died in 2007. And so, and I, I was doing, I was watching for almost like 10 years and I was start, I started going to, I started going to uh, Cap City, Cap City, right? mm-hmm. and w- watching those open mics, man, I was like frightened just to go over there, like my idea, like I want to do this one day, you know, I was like very afraid. I, I think I went about like maybe like three or four months before I I have the balls to oh, let's sign, sign up. Yeah. yeah, and I, when I sign up for that, they don't. I, I mean, if you don't have a connection or something, they don't yeah. let you in because yeah. it's a, a, a very uh, it's very demand like open mic at the time of the Cap City. So I, I never performed with that kind of like a bummer for me. You know, maybe when they 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 reopen. I'll be able to perform that, but I never perform. So, and that that what happened. Like the main thing I decided to to do stuff because like personal stuff. Like I have a brother, he died uh, in 2009, 2020. He is he was like 34, like 10 years younger than me. Mm. And I look at when I learn about like he he his death and stuff. I said, man, I need to do what I want until I'm alive because uh, you never yeah, know. Yeah. And that's where I Was decided. he in Brazil? Uh, he's in Brazil. Yeah. He was in Brazil. And, I mean, there's a lot of bad things happened between, like, 2018 and 2019. Like, uh, my sister, she got, like, a breast cancer and yeah. she, she fought through it and later she she learned she has, like, liver cancer. Ugh. And, you know, and my, yeah. guy, my, my brother died, my mother had a heart attack, you know, just like I was, I think in, in one year, I think went three or four, uh, two, or, uh, two, or, two or three times to Brazil, just because of all this craziness. And I said, you know, I want to do something that I really enjoy doing, you know, I feel like it's a challenge for me also. That was comedy. Yeah. And what was it like your first time? Was it at Cap City? <laughs> no. It, my first time, my very first time, I went to watch a couple like open mics uh, before a Buzz Mill, yeah. Cap City, what else? Some Any other place right before the pandemic that's having comedy open mic. I was watching because I want to see those guys, right? And I was like, man, this guy is so good. This guy is not good. This guy, maybe he's on my level, right? That kind of stuff. Yeah. And I went to one day, like, a, I was, I was, I put a, like, a, maybe like three minutes together. Mm-hmm. And I started looking, like, where's the open mic I can go next week? And the only open mic I can open was in Ty's house. You know, Ty. Uh, Ty Wynn. He was yeah. my last guest. Yeah, it was. That was funny because the spot they call right. Yeah. That was very awkward. Like man, somewhere I'm, in Flugerville. In Flugerville. Yeah. And I went over there. I said, "Dude, 
I, I was like, where, where, like, where's this place? And, and I, he gave the address. I'm like, but can be right there. There's no comedy club. <laughs> <laughs> it's just no, my house. <laughs> so yeah, it's just my house. Just come over. And I get there and I was nervous as fuck. Like, fuck, man. And we got like, they have like maybe like 11 people, maybe seven was comics. And I, I did my first set over there. Wasn't so bad, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Another foreigner, a guy from Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. Thai is funny, man. Oh, what I, a great I, I li- guy. I like Thai. Me he's, too. Oh, my God. He's hilarious. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he was my last guest. Yeah, he, he's, he's cool. He booked me a couple times. I kind of like it. You know, when you are you are start. that's something about comedy, like, mm-hmm. you know, as an industry. When you are starting, it's not a lot of people want to, wanna like, it reach down to to help you reach down reach down to yeah, help to you right you up yeah people just, just want to reach up right yeah like, oh, yeah you know and Ty, he was one of those, the first persons like no i think angela k yeah angela k was the one the first one gave me a gig and ty was the second one like he he said hey where are you, you are available in this day i said oh yeah yeah Bam. I, I think he's sensitive to people whose uh, English is a second language. Yeah, I think he, yeah, he, he, yeah, that's part of it, I think, also help out, you know. But I think he, generally, he's a good person. <laughs> Absolutely. You know? No, he's, he's fucking great. He's a really nice guy. Um, so we were talking earlier on the podcast about uh, drugs and stuff like that. Did you, from, from coming out of Iraq to having uh, deaths in your family? <laughs> Thank you very much, Pedro. Give it up for Rush and the Santos, everybody. Did you ever struggle with, uh, you know, booze and alcohol and bullshit? Yeah, I drink a lot. Like, <laughs> I, like I, I didn't do drugs until 2020. But alcohol, I was, I was. Well, uh, whoa, whoa. When you say drugs, you did, you did an edible one time. Yeah, yeah. That was in 2020. But okay. like, <laughs> before that, my yeah. thing was only like beer, whiskey, and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, I was getting like really hammer. And my wife, she said like, please don't get drunk before noon. <laughs> before noon, yeah. You know, yeah. That was a struggle. I mean, alcohol was, yeah. like, you know, we don't know better and stuff. So, but I never really did like any. You know, hardcore drugs and stuff. More like beer, alcohol, and yeah. get drunk as fuck. No, I like I I have some beers. I smoke a little marijuana sometimes, and I try to keep it at that. I was telling you about um, someone I know who. Well, I mean, I I mean, my roommate. <laughs> That's how I figured out my roommate has a drug problem when he stole someone's car. I, I confronted him the other day. I go, go to rehab. You got to go to rehab. You know what he tells me? He goes, rehab doesn't work. I went there five times. It doesn't work. Ugh. <laughs> That's like saying, karate doesn't work. I went to five karate classes and I got in a bar fight. I got the shit kicked out of me. Karate doesn't work. I already told you that. Ugh. He's the laziest person in the world. And he does heroin. And I keep telling him, do crack and just do the dishes fucking once, cocksucker. Like, you don't need to be medically more fucking relaxed. <laughs> I gotta knock this out. I, gotta, I come home from boxing practice. You know, I take a shower. Well, like, who's that? You know, that's whatever. And uh, friggin' it's these guys looking for their car. And my roommate stole someone's car. And it's like, I gotta deal with this. It's like, when people go down this path of drugs, it's just like the bullshit around them now my now their roommate has to answer questions about a stolen car and it's like i didn't have anything to do with that why do, why are you bringing that home 
It's like, can you tell dirtbags that you're at the neighbor's house? Why are you bringing this to me when it's got nothing to do with me? It's just so fucking frustrating. Yeah, there's I, a problem. <laughs> but anyway, um, the other thing I, I, I want to say, when I dropped my car off after the tire shot in, I had an appointment, you know, I dropped it off uh, the 19th of November. And um, there was this paperwork. And so I, I put it in the key drop, right? You know, a key drop at mm-hmm. an auto shop. So there's all this paperwork, right? It's like, what's your address? What's the problem with the car? Just like very basic, like just with a pen. There's a bunch of pens in here, right? So this guy's like, oh, you just have to write your phone number down, right? Just your phone number. And he worked there. He had a shirt on with the, with the same thing. So I was like, oh, just my phone number? Okay. So I wrote my phone number, put it in the thing. And I was with the girl. And this guy starts hitting on the girl that I was with. Ooh. Not my girlfriend, but just like, okay, you have the shirt on. You're hitting on my girl. Okay, cool, whatever. But then as soon as I woke up the next morning, they go, why didn't you do the paperwork? I go, some guy told me, not only is he hitting on the girl I'm with, but he's giving me bad information. So then I had to like print it out at home, do this, like that shit drives me crazy. Don't tell me just to put my phone number on it when I'm going to wake up to an email. Why didn't you do the paperwork? You so know? the guy, the guy yeah. you saw work on the place? Yeah. But he doesn't work over there. I don't know. He had a shirt on. I think he was kind of like, um, it was after hours. And so I think he was kind of like the security, making sure that nobody steals cars mm. off the lot while they're being uh, worked on. But like that guy's like, oh no, just your phone number. And he was hitting your, your Yeah, you know, not my girlfriend, just a girl I was with at the time, you know. And it's like, don't give me bad information to hit on my girl. What, what are you doing? <laughs> it's just like when drugs and bullshit get involved, I'm just like, God, yeah. golly. That's crazy. Give me, okay, hit on my girl, the girl I'm with, give me correct information. Don't do bold. Don't give me bad information and hit on the girl. You know what I'm saying? It's just <laughs> insult to injury. It's too much bullshit. Anyway, my, my uh, roommate might be in jail right now. Um, I called his mom. Uh, we have a sponsor for this podcast called ACBD Remedy Cannabis Oil. You can rub it on your joints if you get a boo-boo. I like to take a drop of cannabis oil at night. ACBDremedy.com. Use promo code ERIC for 20% off your order. Um, you can also go to erichollerbach.com. I have a stand-up special there, conspiracies and dick jokes. Click on the stand-up special tab of erichollerbach.com. Rogelim Dos Santos, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on... Instagram. Instagram, yeah. That's here my handle. It's Rogelim DS. Rogelim. If you Google Rogelim, I'm going to be the first one. Okay. Not a lot of Rogelims out there. Um, any shows coming up for you? I don't got anything booked. Uh... Any no, no, I don't have any show coming up. Okay. Check out Rojalim on Instagram. Uh, this is Highway Diary, episode 325. Bye, everybody. <laughs>